Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. This is CKNW 98 News. Oh, I love that. I keep loving all these old intros that we used to use. I have a feeling we have to bring these back. Welcome back to the show, everybody. We're celebrating our 75th anniversary. We are live at the Anvil Center here in New Westminster. We have a great crowd. You can hear the buzz of the crowd and people here. Come on down and visit us. We're at 777 Columbia Street. We will be here all afternoon. The Linda Steele Show will be here, too. So stop by and say hi. A thank you to the people who helped us make this happen. The Mori Auto Group, Penfolds Roofing and Solar, the Anvil Center, the City of New Westminster, and Truffles Fine Foods and Catering. Now, we're going to spend some time talking about what really makes NW run the engine of the station. And I would say that is our newsroom. And what would our newsroom be without my two guests that I have right now, Gord McDonald and Janet Brown? Hello, everybody. Oh, look at that. Round of applause for Gord McDonald and Janet Brown. It was for both. It was for you too, Gord. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) Uh, And Gord, you have a special guest here. Do you want to tell us what's going on here? I have one of my daughters, Emily, who has brought Theo with her. Uh, Theo arrived three, three and a half weeks ago. And that is Gord McDonald's first grandchild. Is that correct? Yes, first grandchild. Well, congratulations, Gord. How did I not know (laughs) that you just became a grandpa? I didn't do the work. The young lady over there did the work. Congratulations, (laughs) Emily. But I know you... And how did we not know this was happening? This is a big deal. This is well. I'm under strict instructions by my wife not to tell uh, the listener anything about Do you my family. That, Janet? No, Gord McDonald likes to fly under the radar. That's, I don't buy that. That's, I don't buy that for a second. That's his motto, and actually, it's mine too. So that that explains that. I've heard so <laughs> many stories from people today about Gord McDonald. I've had people, Gord, who stopped me to say, "I love how you give a hard time to Gord McDonald in the morning." <laughs> I said, "Thank you. I'm going to keep doing that." I, Tom Plasteris, our former boss, was also here and he asked me does Gord still wear those short shorts and I said unfortunately yes he does no (laughs) no no no. he did absolutely he did hey uh if I can just take a moment we've been talking a lot about uh all of the on-air people but I just saw a gentleman in the crowd Brian Antonson oh I remember Brian Brian who doesn't look a day over about 25 yeah Brian uh was a board op but also worked in production I think under Paul Preston so he was one of the guys that cut promos and did that kind of thing. So he made some of the on-air people probably sound a lot better than they did. Then Brian went on over to uh, DCIT, and he ended up running uh, the broadcast program, uh, broadcast journalism, television, and right. radio. And so most of um, a vast majority of the people who've come through CKNW over the last 30, 35 years came through BCIT and the program that Brian uh, helped to run, and he he came out of the studios at CKNW. Not one of the people, the, the stars, you know, the Frosties and the Norm Gromans and those types, but was one of the people, and Paul behind Essential. the scenes. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, Essential. that, uh, that uh, made a lot of people sound good. How long have you been at NW? Uh, 
30 years full-time and then three years part-time before that. Wow. Janet, how about you? When Ditto, 1989. Same as you, Gord. I think you were hired just before I was, but uh, minus four years uh, that I was in Washington State because of my husband's job, but I was hired in 1989, left in 97, came back in 2001, and rejoined the newsroom then. So yeah, about the same time, Gord. I remember, speaking of Gord being a grandfather, I remember bring when it, Gord... Bring it, Janet, bring it. I remember when Gord first became a father. His first child <laughs> was born, and <laughs> you guys are dating yourself. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Um, now, I took over, uh, I got here, uh, was at NW for a few years, and then uh, uh, Warren Barker, the yes. longtime news director, Legendary. decided to retire. John McComb, Chris Olson, and I were up for the job. Oh, Chris Olson, of course. I yeah. got Barker's job, after which Olson and McComb both said it was the best thing that ever happened to them, because <laughs> <laughs> they didn't have to deal with the, with the, the headaches. The headaches that you had to deal with? But... When you're a news director uh, at a 24-7 news operation and radio, television, the same, you're not there all the time. And sometimes things happen that you don't know about. And oh. as a matter of fact, Tell us story, sometimes Gord. things happen that you don't find out about until, say, the 75th anniversary of the radio station. What is it? So what a certain uh, reporter in that day, she was anchoring on the network, Janet Brown... Uh, Janet Larmer at the time for America's Me before she was married. Uh, she maybe will... Uh what is the story, Janet? What did you do? Uh, well, you know, to start things off, I was afraid to tell Gord at the time because really I thought he would fire me. That, Gord McDonald. That's how afraid Shame I was. On you. Janet Brown is no. not afraid of anybody. <laughs> not now. Not now. 30 years in, no, okay. I'm not afraid of anybody. What but did then you do? I was afraid. I was in my 20s. Okay, so let's back it up. We were in Westminster in the old Safeway building up the hill at 6th and McBride. And um, the CKNW newsroom was in the old meat department. That was just a sidetrack. That's just a bit of trivia for you. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, it was one level building and there was there were lots of windows there obviously and it wasn't uncommon for people to bang on the window at all hours of the day and night they just wanted to chat with us they were in the neighborhood you know they were getting gas or whatever come over and say hello to their favorite people you know no big deal we'd swing open the door and have a chat with them no security back in those days right (laughs) so one night it's 10 to 10 and you know it's dark out knock on the window, you know, which isn't unusual. I, I'm just, you know, up to my eyeballs in news, trying to get ready for the newscast at 10 o'clock, throw open the door, and I scream, what? You know, really obnoxiously, what? And there's a gentleman standing there, and there's a taxi behind him. I don't think anything of it. He's dressed nicely. I said, what do you want? And he goes, well, I, I'm looking for Dan Russell. And Dan Russell was uh, uh, doing I, a sports talk show ten, on our I'm sister already, station. I'm already getting a sense of this. Ten to midnight. Except it was downtown, right? Okay. So, yes, it was. He was in the wrong location. He was in the wrong location. Our talk show studios were down on the old expo property. Right. Positive Nations. So he's come to the wrong place and he's a long ways away. So I said to him, no, Dan Russell isn't here. He's down at the expo studios and, you know, you're a long ways away. And, you know, oh, and, and I'm really frazzled so you because I know I have to go charming there. self is what you were saying. Per usual. Yeah. Okay. And I said, but then I, you know, settled down. I go, look, can I get Dan a message? Because in those days we didn't have cell phones. Right. Right. No cell phones, no nothing. Right. So I said, can I get Dan a message? He goes... Yes, you can. Now you got to wait for it, Simi. Everybody listening to this? So I say, what is the message? And he says, please tell Dan Russell that Bobby Orr was here. (laughs) 
I'm you like, snapped at Bobby oh, Orr. Oh, hi. How are you? You snapped at Bobby Ooh. Orr. Not only that, I sent him, you know. Pack it. You pack said, it. see ya. See Bye. you later, pal. Like, I'm not interested in you. Did well, you tell Dan Russell the story? Of course, right? Because this say? is the key guest for the night. Oh, and I'm gosh. like, oh, gee, Bobby Orr. And I was just yelling at him in the CKNW parking lot. You didn't, And you know what? And Gordon McDonald, you would have said, didn't you get him in and have an interview and chat with him? Bobby Orr put that on the newscast? No, no. She sent him back in because it was. No. You know? Yeah. That's Bobby hilarious. Orr. Can you believe that? And I just told Dan Russell that story two years ago because I was afraid <laughs> to so tell him. And he had never heard that before. And he's writing a book, he tells me, and he's going to put the story in his book. Meanwhile, Bobby Orr has for years been telling the story about how he went to go be interviewed at CKNW and never made it. And this woman just... Because some lady told him to get lost. Screamed at him and slammed the door. When I was a kid playing hockey, I was a defenseman. And Bobby Orr was one of my favorite defensemen. And I used to say, you know, I tell my feet. Because Bobby Orr could skate beautifully, and he could skate backwards. He was, he was, J.C. Tremblay and Bobby Orr were maybe two of the best ever backwards skaters before Paul Coffey. And I used to say as a kid, you know, I'm a defenseman. I tell my feet to do what Bobby Orr's feet do when he starts pivoting, skating backwards, cutting one way or the other, which is a skill you got to learn in hockey. And I tell him to do the same thing, but the message... You know, going down through my knee, th- my knees, the message doesn't oh, get through. Poor Gord. Poor so Gord. I would have been, I would have been uh, starstruck. Uh, yeah, starstruck, oh, starstruck if he opened the door and seen Bobby Orr there. Uh-huh. Uh, but that's just one great story. Uh, We've foot, got more. Foot, no. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders, no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. To this. Yes. Janet Brown eventually fell in love and married a guy, one of the greatest hockey executives oh, here in we Canadian go. Here history. Oh, here we go, right? Her we husband. Do- and uh, Gord. But wait I for I feel it. like I'm at a family dinner. Such great memories like that one right there, Gord. Do you remember that? I'm trying to, I think... Uh, did we go? We went to the Great Cup. But did, did we I win think, that one? I think that's the one where Lupa Saglia kicked a field goal to win it, uh, the Great Cup, the next week or two weeks later, uh, if I remember correctly. Were we playing Baltimore correctly. or one of the American teams? Tom Larshide. Was there anybody with the yeah. Canucks or Lions with more enthusiasm no. than, yeah. than Tom? He's amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gord, when you look back, and I asked Janet this question too, and she knows which one she wants to talk about, but what were some of the big stories that you remember that's really stuck in your mind over the years? 9-11. Uh, I was yeah. in my office, and Tom Mark was reading the morning news at the time, and he wanders down to my office and said, Gord, maybe you should take a look at this. A plane has crashed into a building in New York City. And at the time, we thought it was a light aircraft. And then uh, Frosty was on the air. We had a brand new general manager, um, Chris Pandoff, who had uh, came, came in um, a few minutes later. Um, because what people f- don't remember about uh, 9-11 was that there was tremendous commu- confusion for the first few hours. They didn't know how many planes right. hit. They didn't know that they were jets. They didn't know that they had been, uh, they had been commandeered. Uh, and the attacks came uh, at different times and it it took a number of hours to put the pieces of the puzzle together. Frosty fairly quickly turned uh, the airwaves over uh, and I think Philip came in early, Philip Till, 
Um, and the next few hours, of course, were, were just trying to put the different pieces together. And then, of course, they, the planes all got shut down from U.S. airports, and we had all the planes that landed at Summit YVR, mm-hmm. landed at what, Gander in Newfoundland, and all of that kind of thing. Yeah, huge. It, it changed the world. We didn't know that at the time, and we didn't know what had happened in that few hours that morning. Um, but I, uh, I, I was... As I say, uh, uh, Tom came down, and then and then it started, yeah. and it was pretty amazing. One of the things that uh, NW got pretty good at was that when major events happened, uh, stopping regular programming and moving what we call wall to wall. And that we have another good example of that as well, which is Janet. The one that you wanted to talk about, what sticks in your mind, is the uh, 2011 Stanley Cup riot. Actually, we have got to play that tape. We do. You've We're going to play that tape right now. Uh, Dan, you wouldn't believe what's going on. I'm in the old parking lot of the Greyhound bus station right behind the Queen Elizabeth Theater. The crowds of people are destroying two police cars. They're on the roof of the police car, kicking out the lights, kicking out the back window, kicking out the side window, throwing objects, and people are standing and cheering and clapping. I just don't get this. People in suits are even standing and clapping. They're tipping over. They're tipping over one of the police cars, and they're cheering. Listen to the crowd. They're cheering. They tipped over one of the police cars right onto the next one right beside it. I just can't believe this mob mentality. Why would people be happy about doing something like this? Well, that's stuck in your head, too. What was that night like? You know, it's our job to report the news as reporters, but that night... I, I realized, you know, it's my job first and foremost to stay safe. Yeah. To stay safe. Because if I'm not safe, I can't report the news. And, you know, I'm not an athletic person. <laughs> I must have run 25 miles that night to stay in front of the mobs and in, in front of the riot police. And by the end of the night, you know, you, you sort of look back and realize what happened. And I remember after it was all over, walking beside our building on Georgia and Howe there, and walking through the shards of glass that had broken from the Eaton store and seeing items on the sidewalk. I remember picking up a pair of ladies' leather gloves with the price tag still on and holding them and and realizing, wow, I can't believe what just happened tonight. And then putting them down thinking, maybe the police are going to arrest me, thinking I'm a looter. But I, I remember being in that parking lot and somebody lighting a rag, opening you know where the gas goes into the police car and putting the lit rag inside and I thought I I was five feet from that and I thought and so was so were a lot of people and I thought does nobody realize that this car is going to blow any minute and I remember the riot police moving down Georgia Street everybody's packed into this parking lot and the police car is ready to blow and I saw there was one exit one exit and it was a very narrow gate and I thought I got to get out of here before this place goes crazy. Otherwise, I'm going to be in serious trouble. I could get hurt or worse. And I remember running through the crowd of people to try and get out of that parking lot. And within minutes, the riot police, they were there. The people were trying to run away from the riot police. The police car was exploding. Others were in flames. That was an impactful night. And I remember my my father and my brother kept phoning me every 20 minutes and saying, we're coming to get you. Where are you? And I said, no, I'm busy, I'm working, bang. And you know, another 20 minutes, the other one would call. And I told them, I said, I have a job to do. Yeah, I have a job to do, you have to leave me alone. And I realized then and there, I did have a job to do. It was important to tell the story of what was happening that night. And 
as, a, as I say, as a reporter, it was important to be safe, but it was also important to tell the story of what was unfolding. And that's the key to the CKNW Newsroom, right, Gordon? Well, I, it struck me listening to Janet, because Terry and I were talking about that this morning, the power of the human voice with descriptive, uh, descriptive, uh, descriptive human voice, without pictures, without uh, smells, uh, just, just Janet and her voice, and she conveyed things, I thought, very well. It's the power of radio, and Janet's one of a number of people over the years uh, on the, uh, in the reporting staff who've done a very good job of taking us to the scene. All of those places. Gord McDonald, thank you. You're welcome. Janet Brown, thank you. You're welcome. Could I just say one thing about Gord? It is a is it pleasure nice? and honor to work <laughs> with him. He is the best writer in the radio biz I've ever Gord? worked with. He's blushing. He he's is. He is, he's blushing. he is wonderful. He takes really? our reporting and makes it great. He does. And he gets up, you know, what he's is... He's so self-deprecating. He's I'm in so at glad two that you in said the morning that. in the newsroom. He's our hero. Gord McDonald, we love you. He is a hero.